0: All right, let's go ahead and uh, start with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we might comprehend your goodness to us in Jesus Christ, our King, that we might live in accordance with the Scriptures. Help us to learn, embrace, and be changed for the glory of the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, so this morning we're picking up where we left off in the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, who remembers where we left off? It's been a really long time. A really long time. I'd be very impressed if you can remember. Um, no, nobody? Anybody? No? Okay. Uh, we're on the section of the Catechism that deals with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, last time, uh, Pastor Brett... Let us in the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. What's the first petition? What's the first petition of the Lord's Prayer? Hallowed be thy name. name. That's right. Uh, This morning on the Heidelberg Catechism uh, will be on question 123, which deals with the second petition, right? Uh, And you guessed it, next week we're going to look at uh, question and answer 124, which deals with the third petition. Uh, but the following two weeks after that, our very own deacon, Steve Etheridge, will be teaching for us. That's going to be so awesome. Uh, we're not going to be here, so we're still going to be watching on Zoom, though. So I, I, we're looking forward to that. Um, let's see. So the text of the Heidelberg Catechism, question uh, 123 is in your outline, so why don't we go ahead um, and recite this together. I'll read the question, and then we'll recite together the answer, right? What is the second petition? Thy kingdom come, that is, so govern us by your word and spirit, that we submit ourselves to you always more and more, Preserve and increase your church, destroy the works of the devil, every power that exalts itself against you, and all wicked devices formed against your holy word, until the fullness of your kingdom come, wherein you shall be all in all. Uh, So here's the simple point that I want to make this morning about the kingdom of God. Uh, The kingdom of God comes when we are ruled by King Jesus by his word and spirit, and when we participate in his work of destroying evil in the world, right? Uh, The kingdom of God comes when we are ruled by King Jesus, by his word and spirit, and when we participate in his work of destroying evil in the world. Um, uh, If you notice in your outline, you might be familiar with some of these, uh, these titles, these subtitles, Uh, First, we're going to look at Kingdom Prologue, and the second, we're going to look at The Coming of the Kingdom. Those are two popular books in reform circles, so you might be aware of those. Anyways, so you'll encounter over and over again the Kingdom of God in the Bible, Uh, but the Bible uses other synonymous terms for this. What are, are other synonymous terms for the Kingdom of God? Anybody know? Kingdom of heaven, that's all right. Anybody else? All right, it's kingdom of heaven. Uh, that, that's good. Uh, Paul uses some terms that you're probably familiar with. Um, he calls it the age to come. Uh, he said this to uh, the Ephesians. He said, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every... Uh, And above every other name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. Uh, Jesus actually uses this as well in Matthew 12, Mark 10, and Luke 18. Uh, So it's not unique to Paul. Uh, But Paul also calls the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God and Christ, Ephesians 5. And the kingdom of his beloved son, or the kingdom of the son uh, whom he loves, Colossians 1. Uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter, calls it the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, The Westminster Shorter Catechism calls it the kingdom of grace and the kingdom of glory. Uh, I I like those uh, terms. Uh, Grace and glory are good descriptors of what God's kingdom uh, is all about. Its uh, Citizens belong in this kingdom because... God's grace alone, for God's glory alone. Uh, these are all referring to the same thing. It's it's God's kingdom. Uh, so, what are the marks of this kingdom coming in our midst? What do you guys think? How do we know the kingdom is here? It, it's in our midst. Jesus said it was. Okay, Jesus says it was. By, by that, I think you're implying something about His Word, right? Like, his, yeah, His Word, His Word is present with us, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think the Heidelberg Catechism breaks it into two categories for us. We are, when we are ruled by God, right? We know the Kingdom is here when we are being ruled by God, right? And, and two, when the, uh, when the Kingdom of this world, when evil is being destroyed. That's when we know the kingdom is, is among us. Uh, the first uh, really is the positive part of the kingdom coming, and the second is the undoing of the evils of this world. I think those are helpful um, categories, but I think it might be helpful to survey the theme of the kingdom of God in the Bible so we get a better idea of the context, of its context. Uh, what I want to do is just to point out a few highlights of the kingdom of God. I, I think when we do that, It'll help us to put on some flesh on what Jesus is after in in the prayer. Uh, But let me preface by saying that the Kingdom of God is a huge theme in the Bible. Uh, We just can't cover everything in in one lesson, obviously. Uh, But if you're interested in learning more, I encourage you to read our old membership book. Uh, Who remembers that book? I I bet some of you, many of you were, um, uh, you know, instructed in that book as you became members. Uh, but if you're interested in, in learning more, uh, you know, look at that book. I think Pastor Brett did a fantastic job in tr- introducing the theme, uh, especially as it relates uh, to the church. Uh, so it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, so here's a question for us to consider. Where's the first time we encounter the language of kingdom in the Bible? Anybody know? Where do we hear this language used in the Bible for the first time? Kingdom language. Genesis. It's always back in Genesis. It's always back in Genesis. Yeah, let, let's let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I'm, I'll read verse 16 through 18. Uh, listen to this. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set, and God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule, to rule over the day and, and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. I mean, what did you notice? I, I emphasized it, right? Uh, the, the sun... Uh, and the moon might are given the ability to rule right that's kingdom language that's ruling right that's kingdom uh to rule the day and the night they're like kings and queens of the sky above I mean does that still happen yeah, yeah, right I mean, we have no control when it will be day and and when it will be night. There are rulers up there we we don't control that right uh that's the kingdom of the sun and the moon as it, as it were. And uh, let skip down to Genesis 126 with me. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion, dominion, dominion kingdom language, right? Over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the, all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Um, and so God gives... Mankind, the ability to exercise dominion over the sea, the heavens, and the earth. Uh, You know, God raised people, people from the dirt and crowned them. Humans are responsible for ruling the earth. All right, let's pause there. What's missing? What's missing? We've seen that the sun and the moon are to rule over the day and the night, and mankind is to exercise dominion over everything else. But where is God's kingdom? Where is God's kingdom in Genesis one? What do you what do you think? Rule over creation, over all things, really. Okay. And that God created man in his own image, which would also give him the power to have dominion. Okay. okay. Anybody else? Yeah. I mean, I think Genesis one is trying to tell us that the Kingdom of Heaven and Earth were one right there 's an overlap between heaven and Earth right uh, That was the reality in the Garden of Eden It, it was god 's unified kingdom, right The Sun and the moon and mankind were all co rulers of of god 's one kingdom uh, which which really tells us what kind of king. God is, and we'll look more into God's will uh, next week, uh, he, because he doesn't hoard power for himself. He actually wants us to participate in his rule over the world. Uh, anyway, God's kingdom is both earthly and er- heavenly at this point. They're, they're one, right? Um, God's kingdom was Eden where heaven and earth met. The two overlapped. Uh, mankind's job was to extend God's kingdom and rule over all the earth, uh, or as the Heidelberg Catechism puts it, that we might um, be governed by God's word and spirit and submit ourselves to him. Uh, Eden was meant to get bigger and bigger as we submit more and more to the Lord, right? Filled with more and more people in God's image, until the whole creation is a place where heaven and earth are one, Right? So if God's kingdom was meant to be holistic, uh, that is, it was meant to encapsulate all of heaven and earth, what happened? What went wrong? Sin. Sin. The fall. fall. Yeah, exactly. We all know the story. Adam and Eve, uh, didn't submit themselves to God, to, to God's word and spirit. They refused to be governed, uh, by those realities that God, that God is uh, calling them to do something by His Word and Spirit. Uh, instead, they wanted to rule on their own terms, didn't they? Uh, ever since eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree that God told them not to eat from, mankind by nature has been inclined to define what's good and what's bad for themselves. They are not under the rule of God uh, and His Word. Uh, they... They looked at the tree and said to themselves, you know, we don't need God to tell us what to do. Uh, we don't need Him in our business. We can rule us ourselves. We can even rule God. Right? Uh, that's why they got the boot. Uh, they were kicked out of the garden of the Lord. They were sent out. Right? And the Garden of Eden is, is since then guarded by the cherubim. Uh, don't, don't think like chubby babies at this point. Think very scary supernatural beings holding fiery swords ready to slice any intruders. Right? Um, that's the separation. Uh, so, according to Genesis, how did the kingdom of this world come about? The serpent, the serpent yeah. The rebellion, yeah. It, it, the, the kingdom of this world uh arose out of rebellion uh it was it wasn't god's plan it was uh the plan of human beings to uh, to try to create their own space outside of god's will uh it came out of this selfish desire to subjugate our creator to our own image i i love how one writer describes this um, he said god's kingdom cannot be domesticated Flesh and blood, that is, human beings with their own will and power cannot and will not ever inherit it for their own use. No one can or will ever take it by force. We can only pray for its coming. Right? No wonder we hear about this constant war and friction between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world in the Bible. Over and over we encounter this Opposition. Uh, Listen to Jesus in John 18 as he responds uh, to Pilate's question uh, as to whether he was the king of the Jews and if he's done anything wrong. Uh, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. Um, It says something, right? Uh, (laughs) A lot of us Christians, I I think, are guilty of of that reality. We're, We're constantly fighting but jesus kingdom is not of this world we 're not called to be fighting, and then he says that I might uh, not be delivered over to the Jews or the Judeans, uh, but my kingdom is not from this world. Uh, Paul tells us that he God has delivered us delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Uh, you see the two kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven and earth um, cannot ultimately coexist. It's one or the other. Because they are diametrically opposed to each other. You know, thousands of years later, because of Adam's and and Eve's rebellion, we're still dealing with the consequences. We're still trying to subjugate God uh, to our own will. We're still trying to domesticate Him. Uh, But here's the thing. God cannot be kicked out of His own creation that He's made. God will not be subjugated by anyone or anything. And not only that, perhaps more importantly, God is the God of restoration. He's the God who restores our fortune. Psalm 14. He wants to destroy the works of evil in this world. He wants to, He wants to once again reunite heaven and earth into one kingdom. Right? Uh, but this restoration of the kingdom of God uh, here on earth uh, doesn't come all at once. God gradually intrudes his kingdom into this world. Uh, God wants to uh, bring it about, but he does it in a in a progressive manner, slowly, slowly, um, where God can dwell in our midst, uh, where there's common space for God and man once again to dwell in, in harmony. Uh, and we see this very thing uh, getting started in the life of Israel, right? Uh, if the kingdom of God is present in the world when there's an overlap between heaven and earth, then Israel was the first to experience that reality. Uh, because God met uh, with their forefathers and their foremothers, uh, but more importantly, God made space for them to meet, right? So softball question for, for us all. How did God meet with Israel? How did God meet with Israel? Theophany, Theophany okay most of those uh, events are to individual people right but how did He meet with them as a people? Sinai, Sinai? yeah the temple. The temple? Yeah, the, ex, the Exodus? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was them and, and taking them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, some of these theophanies and, 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 um, and other unique ways that, that God would meet with, in, like, individual people are, are, are not commonly the way God would meet with Israel. Uh, Israel, uh, and God would commonly meet, um, in the temple, right? When 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 the temple was built, but before that, there was a tabernacle, right? And 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 the Bible tells us that Sinai was was a kind of temple, right? So if you look at it that way, it was always God meeting uh, with His people through uh, through temple, right? This particular space that He's He's He was making. Um, yeah, and and in other ways, God God would would meet. Uh, by his word coming to them, right? The word of the Lord came to such and such. And God often met with his people, uh, by or with his spirit. The spirit of the Lord came to such and such, right? Um, but it was the tabernacle, uh, and, and, and later the temple where the common space, uh, was between God and his people. Uh, That's God's kingdom intruding in earthly space without consuming his people, right? Uh, I mean, wasn't that the purpose of the sacrifices? The sacrificial system tells us something really important. If God and humans are to live or exist in the same space, in in peace, then something has to happen. God has to draw near to us uh, with atonement. Uh, There needs to be blood to cover our sin. Um, And so God made that provision for the Israelites and, and for us, right, for our instructions that we might know um, what he was doing in our midst uh, when, uh, the, when Jesus comes. Uh, but the temple was never meant to be the whole story. Uh, that's why the, those sacrificial uh, elements are also for us, right? Um, because a relatively small meeting place is not God's final purpose for the world. He didn't, he didn't just want a, a, a temple and then the rest of the world not, his, not be able to be his space between uh, God and man, right? Uh, all along, God was promising something better, uh, that he himself would dwell in our midst so that heaven and earth would once again be one. But it all started with Israel, with Israel and the tabernacle and the temple, right? That small space, it's a microcosm of what the whole world will become like, right? So our hope, then, is rooted in this irrevocable, irrevocable promise that God made to Israel. Uh, that's, that's good news for us. Um, for one, God doesn't start over. And another thing, when we take seriously God's promise to Israel, uh, we can be sure that, that God will be faithful in fulfilling what he has promised. Um, so that's the context of Jesus' arrival. God has been on a mission to bring back His kingdom in this world to reunite heaven and earth. Uh, I, I'd like uh, let me introduce our second point in this way. Uh, this writer says uh, that God's eternal Word was made flesh and made His dwelling among us. John 1.14, means that the hour of God's new rule has dawned his kingdom has drawn near feeling uh filling excuse me um filling everything with purpose the um the lord has 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 promised and he's made that promise sure and, and fulfilled that promise in jesus christ jesus becomes the living temple that unites heaven and earth uh, do you remember when jesus turned the ta- the tables in the temple Remember that incident? Uh, what did, why did he do that? Anybody? Why did he turn the tables in the temple? Yeah, zeal for his father's house. Because what were they doing? What were the people doing? make Yeah. Uh, people were using religion as a way to make money, right? They were applying the system of this world to God's sacred space. That's defiling God's house. The Father's house, or we can say His kingdom, has uh, was being turned into the kingdom of this world. Uh, so naturally, Jesus was angry. He said to them, uh, Take these things away. Do not make my Father's house a house of trade. You know, his disciples remembered uh, that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be there, <laughs> um, receive, uh, you know, receiving that rebuke from Jesus. Uh, Jesus is actually making a claim about himself at this point, uh, that he, he has authority over the temple. I mean, after all, he's, he's the son of God. He, uh, he implies that when he says, do not make my father's house a house of trade. Uh, Of course, the Jews or the Judeans were suspicious of Jesus. They said, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Uh, How can you turn tables over? And how can you you claim authority over the temple? Right? Who are you uh, to deny us of making money in in the temple? Uh, Prove yourself. Right? Jesus answers, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Why does Jesus say that? Uh, what does he mean when he identifies himself with the temple? Means by which God yeah, yeah, exactly. Jesus is identifying himself uh, with the temple, and he's saying that he is the very presence of God, and he's the final sacrifice. And he's the final sacrifice, right? Now, He is the temple, He's the living temple by which men can come, right? He's the embodiment embodiment of the meeting place between God and human beings. That's a powerful claim in those days and in our day, right? It means something greater than the temple in Jerusalem is here. Uh, God's promise to be with us is realized in Jesus Christ. And so, when we are in Him, we are transferred from one kingdom into another, Right? From the kingdom of uh, of darkness into the kingdom of light, as Paul puts it. Uh, but Jesus is not only the living temple of God; He's also the eternal King of Heaven. Right? The King has arrived to Earth. Where the King is, there the kingdom will also be. But how do you how do you know Jesus came uh, as the King of creation? Uh, king over the systems and kingdoms of the world. How do you know that? Sure miracles. miracles? Good. What was the question again? Yeah, how do we know Jesus is king? Our authority. Authority? No. Yeah, yeah, good. Good? Yeah. Huh? He conquered death. He conquered death, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jesus' whole life bears witness to his kingship, right? You, we can keep going w- with this, right? Um, his kingdom is not of this world. So I mean, he must be a king. Yeah, truly, truly. Um, there, there are many things we can look at to show that Jesus is king. I, I want to look at two, two major events uh, that makes it super clear that Jesus is the, is the king, right? Uh, the first is when Jesus, Jesus was baptized by his cousin, uh, John. Uh, who can tell us what happened there? One of these youngsters. I, I want to hear one of these youngsters. What happened at Jesus' baptism? Give us some details. Sunday school questions. You guys, you guys know this. What happened at Jesus' baptism? Thomas? You're looking at me. What happened at Jesus' baptism? Jesus was baptized. <laughs> <sighs> what else happened? That's it? The Spirit descended upon them like a dove. Okay. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Nice. Nice. What, was Jesus and John alone? No, that's what Okay, okay. This this didn't happen in the corner somewhere, right? All right. All right yeah yeah this is a public event right jesus came to john to be baptized in the jordan right uh that that's that's pretty significant jordan is a is a a landmark in the history of israel uh he he, he came to be baptized by by his cousin not because he needed to repent uh jesus was and is sinless we confess that right uh, so it wasn't for that reason that he came to be baptized. John even says to Jesus that he needs to be baptized by him, by Jesus, uh, not the other way around. But for Jesus, his baptism, uh, he says, was to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, now that sounds like it came out of left field, uh, but it's not. Uh, I think this is where we have to consider the meaning of the Greek word dikaiosune, uh, which is where we get the word righteousness uh, from. Uh, the word uh, can also mean justice, right? Uh, if, if we take it that way, Jesus says he came uh, so that God's justice might be filled more uh, full in this world. That he might further right what has gone wrong, right? That's justice in this world. He, he, God promises to send that kind of king. That he will restore all that is wrong in this world into into a new creation. Right? The true King will restore god 's kingdom of righteousness and justice, and that's why Jesus came to be baptized um, you know to do that, Jesus was given a sign of his kingship. Uh, this is where his baptism comes in so so here's the question: how does Jesus' baptism become a sign of his his kingship? in other words what what about baptism tells us that Jesus is a king, or is the king. Yeah, well, I mean, what about baptism tells us that Jesus is a king? Or or you might, you might not think that. I don't know. Baptism actually it has to do with identification. Okay. Or to bar house. <laughs> you so you're saying that baptism identifies him as a king? It, yeah, it is one of his purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, where am I at? Um, okay, let me, let me kind of give a little bit more detail. I, I know Thomas, uh, gave some details for us. Uh, you know, as Jesus is being baptized, right? The heavens open up, uh, we hear the voice of the Father confirm Jesus to be His Son, alright? Uh, he says, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, right? Listen to Him. Uh, I mean, w- something else happened, right Thomas? The Spirit descended on, spirit descended, uh, on Jesus. Is what it is. Okay, yeah, yeah, all these synoptic Gospels have this story, so it's really important uh but 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 the gospel of luke right um, it gives us a detail that we might miss uh luke chapter 3 verse 22 he uh he says uh and the holy spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my beloved son with you i am well pleased now you know the other gospels tell us about the dove but luke is is emphasizing its physical manifestation. There was a dove that everyone could see hovering over Jesus, right? Uh, in, in the ancient world, in this case in the Roman world and the religion, uh, birds were very symbolic. Uh, they were used to interpret omens, depending on how the birds behaved. The gods would either be favorable favorable or unfavorable to them uh eagles were sometimes used to even determine the next ruler right if they weren't sure who who the next guy is um, uh they would make eagles uh, they would take eagles from egypt to determine the divine wills of the gods uh whether this person is of the divine or not that's that's interesting right which tells us something uh they're taking eagles from egypt to determine whether this is a, a, a divine figure king or not right it tells us something this is a, this has history in god's interaction with with world powers uh, i know this is weird but we still use this language uh does anybody know what the word inauguration mean what does inauguration mean beginning. The, the what the beginning. the beginning of something good anybody else We should know this. Okay. Uh, it's when a leader is consecrated and installed as a ruler or or, or authority, right? Uh, but the word comes from the Latin word auger or avis, uh, which means bird, right? And so, so what do we find at Jesus' baptism? A dove, not an eagle, but a dove... Hovering over Jesus, uh, it, it would it would have been really clear if you're a Roman citizen, and, and you're seeing this this figure and a dove hovering over Jesus, right? A bird hovering over Jesus. This is politically subversive. It, it would have it, it, Jesus is being signaled as the king, right? Jesus is the king, not Caesar. This is what Jesus' baptism is signifying for us. Um, Jesus' own people understood this as they were asking for Jesus to be crucified. Uh, They they said this, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Right? They knew what Jesus was claiming to be, who Jesus is claiming to be. He's claiming to be the king. Right? This, This is why... They crucified him. They don't want a king. He said, we, 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 have, we have Caesar already. Right? Uh, the irony is that Jesus' kingship is formally ratified at the cross. Uh, just go and read the events leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, what do we find in, in, in those events leading up to Jesus' crucifixion? Roman soldiers put a purple cloak on him, right? Which was royal attire at the time. And they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on Jesus' head. That's not accidental language, right? They're mocking him because he's he's claiming to be a king. Exactly. You know, after saluting to him, they said, Hail, king of the Jews. Uh, And even his own people, the Jews, mocked him saying, Behold our king. Uh, but the truth came out when they said, we have no king but Caesar. I mean, do you see it? Do you see it? The cross was Jesus' coronation ceremony. Uh, do you remember what was inscribed on the cross? King of the, Jews. king of the Jews. Actually, it says Jesus of Nazareth, right? King of the Jews, right? Um, remember God's promise. Right, it's being placated before our faces. That God, God's King is here. God's kingdom is here. Uh, that one day uh, He will establish His kingdom by coming to them. But we nailed Him at a cross. Um, uh, John nineteen twenty. It says many of the Jews read this inscription. I mean, if you're passing over Jesus at the cross, <laughs> it's hard to miss. There's an inscription that says, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Um, Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It was written in Aramaic and in Latin and in Greek. I think that's John's way of saying that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews to be king over them in in a localized setting once again. But that he also came for the nations, the Gentiles, to us. right? Because Jesus isn't just a local king. He is a cosmic king. He came to defeat the devil and evil in this world. Uh, at, at a minimum, um, what does a kingdom need? Every kingdom needs a king. right? A ruler, check. We have a king in Jesus Christ. Every kingdom needs a constitution a document that tells us the principles of the kingdom. Check. We have God's Word. Uh, We're supposed to be governed by it, as the Heidelberg uh, Catechism tells us. Uh, But it also adds the Spirit. Uh, Now, being ruled by the Word and by the Spirit are not in conflict. They belong together. In fact, you can't be ruled by the Word and not be ruled by His Spirit simultaneously. There's there's no separation between those two. The Constitution and the power of that Constitution Both go together. Um, It's not. It's it's both and not either or, right? And every kingdom needs a land and a people. Uh, Those are the two two things in progress here. There's no particular land yet, but uh, for God's kingdom, His kingdom isn't just tied to Jerusalem. It's being established in many places in the world where the gospel, where this good news of the king is uh, is taking root. Right? These are pockets of the kingdom in-breaking in this world. Can you picture that? Yeah, little, like and bread, right? Good stuff? His word is, that's what his authority is. So his word yeah. His people. Yeah. That's how it permeates the loaf. Yeah. The yes. Absolutely. That's good that's good, Charlie. Um, Pastor Brett likes to use the the word embassy. The church is an embassy. Uh we're in a foreign land and this is this is this is where uh our native land belongs, right? This is where uh our land uh has the authority. That's what that's what the church is. It is it's a pocket of of the kingdom of God, right? God's God's mission in the world is to is to bring those pockets bigger and bigger and bigger until the whole world is consumed by it. Until the whole world is one. And that's when, when the consummation happens. That's when God says, alright, I got, I got my people. They're all here. Now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna bring heaven here on earth. Everything will be one. And, and, and all the evil in this world, this world's kingdom will be put aside. Put outside of the city outside of the kingdom, right? It's the reversal of what happened in Eden. Uh, this is why Jesus tells us to pray for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven to come. Uh, thy kingdom come. Uh, Jesus' assumption is that God's kingdom is not fully here yet, Right? Uh, but it's already here in some sense. It's those those little pockets. Uh, it's, it's now and not yet. We use that language. Uh, that's the dilemma we find ourselves in. On the one hand, we find pockets of the kingdom as the church continues to make its w- uh, way in the world. Uh, but on the other hand, we are still encountering the kingdom of this world at work. Uh, so life should feel topsy-turvy. Sometimes it feels upside down. We don't, we don't know what kingdom we're operating in at times, because life is messy. Uh, but in the midst of it, well, we get to participate in the mission of God, uh, what God is up to in the world, in restoring the union between heaven and earth, uh, when His kingdom fully comes. Uh, that's, that's, that's our privilege, right? That's God's mission in this world, and that's our mission to bring the gospel the good news of the king into the world. Uh we get to be, uh do the bearing witness uh of the good news of the coming of the kingdom. And then the end will come. Jesus said, uh and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Well, uh let's see I have 5 minutes. Um, let me end with this reflection. I think there's, there's a lot for us to, to take in here, and there's a lot for us to, to apply in our own situation, right? Because this, this is the kingdom that we find ourselves in. Uh, it, it's very timely to talk about the kingdom of God, isn't it? Uh, especially what we've just gone through as a country. Uh, our country has voted, and the president-elect is, is Joe Biden, Right? Uh, we'll see what happens with all the recount and, and all that other stuff. But as of right now, he's the president-elect. And, and whether we like it or not, he's in charge. Uh, for some of us Christians, that might mean political trauma. I can't believe that dude won. We're in trouble. The end of the world is, is, is coming, blah, 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 right? Uh, so you might be asking why this man is on the throne, um, why he's been allowed to have so much power. Uh, but there are other Christians um, who think a new dawn is coming, because President Trump will be out of the office. Um, Christians are divided in, in 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 who rules this country and whether the world is going down the tube or whatever, right? The kingdom of God prevents us. Uh, now hear me. I'm not saying polit- don't do away with politics or whatever. Politics is for the common good of this world. We, we should use our resources to to promote the common good of the world, that the gospel might be heard, that the gospel might go forth, the kingdom might be established more and more in this world. But the kingdom of God prevents us from thinking in binary terms. Uh, because our hope and our trust as Christians is not in princes or earthly kingdoms. When you equate one kingdom or ruler into, to, to God's kingdom, we're in trouble, right? We're saying... Here's God's kingdom and it looks like this. It looks like this nation and it looks like this president or whoever. That is dangerous. That's dangerous. Um, because it says something about who Jesus is. It says something about who we think Jesus is. So in one way or another, whoever we're affiliated with politically, we're not going to agree with them wholeheartedly. If you do, you're in trouble. Right? Right? Because those are fallen people and those people have, uh, have a lot of reforming to do in their own hearts and, and whatever. They're, those systems are broken. Uh, and so, um, and so we, we, we can't equate the kingdom of heaven with the kingdom of this world. We need to be, we need to be careful in, in, in the way we speak to, especially non-Christians, about our allegiance. Because first and foremost, our allegiance is to king King Jesus, and oftentimes, because we're we're committed to that king that our our political superheroes are going to clash with that with that kingdom. Does that make sense um, But this also means that we shouldn't have fear right that we can't be scared when when we feel like This, this person or that nation or whatever is, is, is doing great evil and, and the world is going down the tube. No. Jesus is on the throne. He is on the throne, right? We believe that. Uh, God has promised to bring His kingdom here on earth. And He's, what He's called us to do is pray and to, and to be faithful to Him. And next week we'll, we'll see, uh, what it means to pray for His will to be done here on earth. Right? Uh, In closing, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.